Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Speak today to Stephen Stewart, who's the CEO of Mustango River Resources. We caught up with him a few weeks ago on Ore Finders, and we discussed Mustango at that point, a slightly acrimonious uh, takeover of an asset, uh, which they've put into its own vehicle on the TSXV. They've raised about $4.5 million, which switched to proceed there with their exploration plans for the year. About $2.5 million of that recently coming from Eric Sprott, who is now a significant shareholder. He also just happens to know a thing or two about the Kirkland Lake area uh, where this project is. Enjoy the podcast. Stephen, how are you doing, sir? Good morning, Matt. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Fantastic. Beautiful sunny day here in Toronto, and um, happy to be back again. Happy to be back, and I think you've got some. You've got two bits of good news, haven't you? Two days ago, saw oh. the arrival of a new member of the family, didn't, didn't it? That's right. I have my firstborn, baby Aurelia, is born. She's here, and uh, I'm sleeping less, but I'm a much happier guy. So is my wife. So thank you for uh, thank you for bringing that up. Well, it's, it's, it's exciting times, especially the first one. It's, it's all uphill from here, or downhill. It's, it's, well, they tell me. There's definitely well, a hill involved. Uh, <laughs> we'll report back in a couple of years, like now, Exactly. Well, congratulations to you and your wife. Um, now, secondly, we are calling up um, about Mustango River Resources. Okay, so last time we spoke, about them, just over a month ago, we were talking about ore finders, what you were doing there very complicated uh, situation which you've untangled and trying to create some value for, okay? So what's the relationship between Orefinders and Mustango? So Orefinders is one of the largest shareholders. Uh, it's probably on par with Eric Sprott. Both have, you know, north of 20%. Uh, Orefinders launched a proxy battle last year, uh, beginning in May, when Mustango was sort of a dead company. It was a penny, quite literally, no bid. We took 31% interest in it and then fought for six months to gain control of the board. We were successful in October. We eliminated them, uh, recapitalized the company, repositioned it, understood more about the assets. And um, it's been a success uh, ever since, I would say. I mean, it's hard, hard to argue with results. As I said, it was a penny back in May 2019. May 2020, we hit 35 cents. So, you know, Orefinder's done very well in its investment as have the people who have participated that uh, thus far, and that includes Eric Sprott, who came in twice. Uh, we've got uh, f- about 600,000 ounces on our Omega project, which is right beside the Curadison on the Cadillac. And then I think what's fair to say we've got most uh, excitement as of late is our Ebby Baldwin project, which is immediately adjacent to Macassa, which is Kirkland Lakes, the highest grade gold mine in Canada. Our argument is that we've got the next mine in Kirkland Lake, but we've got to prove that. You do. You do. Um, great. Th- th- thanks for that run through um, there. In terms, of, I just wanted to understand what the, what the relationship uh, was and kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, so you know what's coming because we spoke a, a, few, a few weeks ago. I want to understand. So what's the plan here? Is what is the business plan? I know you've you've got some money in from Eric Sprod and that, that's great. But what are you trying to build here? What do you think you've got? We're trying to make. We're trying to discover an ore body. It's very simple. We're in, we're in the right jurisdiction. We got the right zip code. Uh, we're on the what we call the confluence of major breaks, which includes the main break, which is the historic break that has produced 25 million ounces out of the Kirkland Lake ore body, which is not just the Macassa. Let me, let me make that point. The Macassa is the seventh mine that has extracted from this Kirkland Lake ore body, which is the third largest gold ore body in the world. It's 
along a one mile stretch in the town of Brooklyn Lake. It's gone from east to west and we are the next property west. And so, you know, anecdotally, you could suggest that we've, uh, you know, th there's no reason to suggest that the gold stops at the property boundary. We've got historical drill results uh, that suggest that our, our, our area is very mineralized. We've got production uh, with grades that mimic Macassa. So, and, and we see the rocks, we've been on site. There's a lot of similarities. So uh, as I said, there's a lot of smoke. Uh, we've got four and a half million bucks in the bank and we're out there um, looking to, to find that billion dollar drill hole because if we can find the extension of that uh, Macassa mine or that Kirkland Lake ore body, we're in business. Yeah, you, you sure are in business, but, but again, just, just, just position the company for me. Are you just an exploration company who's gonna identify the ore body and then flip it over to someone else? Are you going to develop it and then flip it to someone else? Or are you, you know, what, what it, I'm trying to understand, you know, where, where this thing goes, because obviously it's very, very early days. You haven't drilled, you've only just got some money in, but you must have a plan in the back of your mind, because you've got ore finders going off over here in the, in, in, you know, to, your, to your, your right. You've got this new project as well. You know, how do you, how do you portion your time? And, you know, what, what are you trying to do with both companies? Well, look, I'll, I'll get to how do I portion my time second. Uh, first, what, what do I want to build a mine? No, my shareholders definitely don't want me building a mine. You know, I, I'm a, you know, first of all, I'm not a geologist. Um, I'm not an engineer. I'm a deal guy. Okay. We've got, we've certainly got uh, a technical team that's certainly heavy on the geology, less so on the engineering because we are an exploration uh, company. And I think the whole industry is bifurcated between those who find it and, and de-risk it up to a certain point and those who mine it build mines, extract it, process it, sell it, et cetera. That is not what we do. Um, it is too early to say what exactly is gonna happen, but certainly our, our mission is very clear. It's to find that ore body first. We can't think about building a mine until we find the ore body. So that is our mission. We're, we're well-financed enough to do that. I think in order to delineate a mine, you're gonna need more than four and a half million bucks in the bank, but it's a great start. We can do a fairly substantial uh, drill program as is without going back to the market anytime soon. Okay, so what did you inherit when, when you took over, I know it was complicated, but what did you get handed when you took over at Mustango? Because it was acrimonious, to put it mildly. We got handed a, a rusted 67 Chevy, to be honest with you, and it, it needed to be fixed up. And so, you know, we, we, it took us four or five months to really figure out what was going on. So literally, we were handed the keys to the, to the, to the house, so to speak, at the end of uh, October. And there was a, a lot of due diligence in terms of uh, financial um, forensics, if you will, understanding even what claims we, we owned. And as I said, we knew that the company talked, the previous management talked about their Omega asset because it's very simple. They had a 600,000 ounce resource on it. It was easy, easy to describe, but they did a very, uh, not a good job at describing what the Ebby Baldwin project was. And so when we didn't even know that it really exists. So when we got as part of our due diligence as taking the rust off the company, we did title searches just to understand where we are on that map. And then when it came back, we all looked at ourselves and we're like, wow, you know, that's interesting. And, and so that whole area west of Macassar has been very fragmented and they had a fragmented patchy land package, but it was a good start. And then we very quickly uh, filled in the gaps. And there are more holes to fill in, but we are by far the dominant landholder west of, of the Macassa. And, um, and that's where we are right now. And, and, and of course, aside from that, you know, aside from figuring out the financial, we had no money. And we had to pay off, not only did we have to pay off 
our legal bills to in our challenge we had, we as we got the keys we left with their you know, heating bills so to speak so we had to pay off their lawyers too so we did a we did a quick uh, get our feet on the ground financing i think it was in, in november or december really nobody was interested i mean it was the hardest five hundred thousand dollars i've ever raised in my life in fact i took you know probably 150 of that because nobody else wanted it uh but turned out very well and then once we uh, expanded that land package and we did a deal with a company called hinterland which in effect doubled our land package gave us that entire um you know you know as i said the dominant the now the clear dominant position west of Macassa. Uh, that's when people started to take take attention and including you know eric when i sent him the photo of that land package he, he got it instantly okay well, well tell me tell me about that you said you're a deal guy right you're not technical you're a deal guy Eric knows that region quite well. You sent him a photo of the land package. What, what does that mean? You know, what was the question well, you mean, were asking no, it, him? Because you, you obviously work with him at Orphanus. They've invested in Orphanus, so you've got a relationship. So what was the question that you were asking, Eric? Will you invest in us? Very simple. Um, there must have been one know, before and that it, and go, what, what do you think of well, this? Well, yeah, no, He's it was a process. You know, yeah. it was an overnight, you know, an, uh, you know, overnight success, as they say. It, was, it took time to get Eric familiar with me, us, ore finders, Mustango, and, uh, you know, had a number of meetings with him. But, you know, there was no, you know, deal on the dotted line until we finalized that, that uh, crystallized what the Ebby Baldwin project was, uh, showed him exactly where those faults run, and they run right onto our property. And then he got it. And I say he got it because who else knows those ore bodies? Who else knows those fault systems better than the chairman of Kirkland Lake Gold for five years, especially at the helm when they were doing uh, developing the South Mine Complex, which is which is completely revitalized Kirkland Lake Gold outside, of course, their success in Australia, but specifically to the Macassa, it's taken a 200,000 ounce uh, per year production scenario, and they doubled it to 400,000 ounces, I believe, starting next year, all because of this South Mine Complex, which has been sitting there for 90 years. 90 years they've been mining this thing and they never knew what the South Mine Complex was up until about five, six years ago. So there's still a lot to discover in this area. But I, I, wanna, I really wanna drill down here. I wanna understand, when you say Eric got it, he, he got what? what? What was the data that you gave him which allowed him to go, actually, this totally makes sense. Like it's a land package is a land package. And I guess, you know, if, if you're in the area, it's great. But why did he go, this you're right this is this is the one i get it because we showed him a map that showed us relative and and laid on layered on top of that was the faults the interpretation of the amalgamated the 04 and the consolidated uh breaks which is the south mine complex comes right into our property we showed them all three you know coming together like a three rivers sort of scenario and Eric, you know, so that's important. I mean, when you're looking for ore bodies, you need these major structures. It's structure, structure, structure. Any geologist will tell you that. And these are world-class gold structures, heavily mineralized. They come into our property. There's no reason why the mineralization stops at the border. And and we've got, you know, we've got scientific evidence of drill holes productions to suggest that in fact it does. So what was he then saying to you? He sees this data. What does he say to you? You're a deal guy, remember. So you, like me, non-technical. So what did he say? How do you approach this? Because he's about to you know, give you a lot of money. He's surely got an opinion on this. He, he thought it was awfully sexy. I mean, Eric understands this business and uh, he's taking a bet on us. There are no guarantees, but relative at the time of the price, he came in at six and a half cents, okay? So this is when, uh, and actually, 
we were three and a half cents. Uh, we were three and a half cents three days before um, that phone call occurred. And so, you know, Eric could have you know been more aggressive, but Eric actually came in and said, look, you closed at six and a half. I'll do the deal at six and a half. And uh, on, on a risk reward basis, uh, it turned out pretty well. And then, you know, two months later, he came in, came in again at 27 and a half cents. So Eric says he likes to press his bets. He presses his winners. That's what he's done here. Uh, again, we're well capitalized. We're not going back to, into the market, but. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about the money. Let's we're going to live or die on our drill results and they're coming soon. Right. They, well, I want to get into that. So you, you've got four and a half million, sorry, two and a half million bucks. What's that total in the bank at the moment? Four and a half million round figures in the bank today. Got it. And you're going to put how much of that in the ground and when? As much as, poss as, much as we possibly can, obviously, in reason. We're not going to go. And as I've said, everybody wants us to drill tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do this quickly. Uh, but we're not going to rush because that's when you make mistakes. We are learning. Uh, we just got on the property for the first time ever as owners two weeks ago. And so what we're doing right now today, got two teams out there. We are uh, sampling the structures. It's excellent outcrop. We can see the faults false come right to surface. We grab them. We sample them. We see what is carrying. We look at the rocks, what type of rocks. We look at the age. And then, you know, we go back and we'll do some geophysics, which will allow us to pinpoint our drilling. So... You know, that whole process, we're probably, you know, the 30, 45 days sampling, uh, geophysics thereafter, drilling by the summer, uh, almost certainly. Okay. It's in the summer, right. And, but so it's, it's a kind of, there's a, there's a thoughtful process that you've got to, you've got to go through. So there's going to be no meaningful results until when? When are you going to be able to say to the market, here's what we now know? We'll come out with some samples. Uh, I, I think that's uh, safe to, to assume. We'll, we'll come out with that information in the not too distant future. We'll come out with the geophysics, which you know, to retail investors really is nothing more than pretty pictures, but it does uh, show targets, and, and, uh, but nothing counts. There's nothing meaningful until the drill you know, results come back. You know, until then, it's just us building the story. It's really, but you know, we communicate with shareholders, but it's us gaining confidence. Make sure we know where we're pointing the drills the best way and mitigating our risks as much as possible. So who's on the team? Who's the technical person that we should be looking to? Because I couldn't find anyone in the presentation. The key technical guy is Charles Baudry. Uh, Charles is, uh, I've worked with Charles for 10 years. He's as good as it gets in the Abbott Tibby. He knows this area well, He's very technical. I uh, trust him uh, explicitly. And uh, you know, he's, he's very pragmatic in his approach. He's gonna tell you exactly like you see it. And uh, he's out there, I just talked to him before you and I got on the call. He's out there in Kirkland Lake as we speak with the team going over the data, making sure everything's running smoothly. Okay. You you personally own a big piece of this because you, you bought into this a while back, right? Um, not big enough. No, not big enough. But yeah, I'm, I, I own about um, I have about 5 million shares. Right. Okay. Personally. Okay. You're, you're already working on ore finders and you know, moving that thing forward. I mean, is that moving forward, by the way? I hate to jump around here but yeah no or finders quick update there will you can expect to see a, a drill uh, start announcement in the not too distant future on our on our night project as well as our McGarry so we're busy on that as well uh, but obviously separate companies even though geographically they're very similar and obviously the management's very similar um, but separate companies separate registries etc so how, how does that work I mean well how are you choosing to remunerate yourself on this one you're getting paid over there at or finders right this thing, you've got a big, big piece of the pie. You're also paying yourself out of this company. Is that the way it works? I am. I am. I'm paying. So an ore finder is about 10000 a year. 
Uh, Mistango, I, I make 10,000 a year, excuse me, 10,000 a month. Um, and in Mistango, I pay myself $5,000 a month. And honestly, the, you know, that's not hard and fast. It's sort of like ebbs and flows. Uh, and depending on where I spend my time, most of my time in the last month has been on Mistango. But, uh, you know, that, that's where I cap myself off. Um, I think I'm underpaid. But, you know, we'll see what investors see, uh, feel, feel like after the drill results. If I, you know, I'm going to make my money on my shares and my options in this, in this company. And I have a million options in this, in this company as well. Okay, okay. Well, and I think it's important at this stage to kind of put a message out to the market and say, like, I, I, be, I believe in my project. It's difficult with exploration because, as, as you say, you don't know until the drill results come out. Um, so if you're a batting man, which, which company would you um, say is going to do better? You're going to make me pick my children. I mean, I, That's I can't literally that what enough. I just I did. Mean, I think- well, look, they're you know they're 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 different uh, they're different investment uh, propositions, although they are definitely related. I think you know certainly the market would argue that Mistango is uh, has a bit bigger bang for its buck right now because it's got uh, four mil- four and a half million bucks that it's going to drill on a fault next to the highest grade gold mine in Canada. That's pretty sexy. In fact, I think it's probably the sexiest exploration story going on in Canada right now. Um, and, and it could ramp up very quickly if we were going to, you know, to hit all we need. We don't, you know, all we need is one nice Macasa-like drill result. And then, you know, the excitement's really going to go. So, you know, that's our objective. And then and then we we, we build it out from there. Now, Orefinders, again, not to, to sort of mix messages here, Orefinders owns 20% of Mistango. Okay. So it's got, you know, eight, nine million bucks worth of Mistango shares in its treasury. It also has assets which arguably are comparable on terms of a risk reward basis to Ebby Baldwin, et cetera. So, you know, I cannot pick. I think they're both valued in the twenty three to twenty five million dollar range, depending on which way the wind blows. Or Finders has more depth of assets. We understand the assets much better because we've been operators on that company for for, for five years and we understand every nook and cranny on our property, whereas we're still learning. On, on the Mustango and the Ebby Baldwin in particular. And let's not forget about the Omega, which is 600,000 ounces right on the Cadillac. That's got a hell of a value. And, uh, you know, we should also note that Agnico Eagle, we talked Kirkland Lake Gold, Tony Makuchenko get a lot of um, air, t- air time because of Mustango, but Agnico Eagle is the other big dog in the neighborhood. They're actually the biggest land package. They've got their upper Canada and their upper Beaver deposit. I believe that is their next mine in their pipeline. Kirkland Lake is 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 gonna light light on fire when this when the gold market really takes off and we I think we're in the first or the second inning here but when the gold market investors really you know the the, the cab drivers start giving you tips Kirkland Lake is gonna be on fire and uh, and M and A is coming too and so we've got two majors two of the best operators in the business uh, we're contiguous with and uh, and who knows maybe a third or fourth might come into the into the fray. So w- there's no better, no better gold jurisdiction to be than Kirkland Lake uh, in the middle of Ontario. I, I, I'm interested in this. It's a new story, Stephen, obviously very new um, indeed. Um, I'm interested in what your dealmaker is thinking about, you know, at what point do you start trying to do deals here because of where you're positioned, because of who you're surrounded by. Um, it's going to be well after you start, you know, do this drilling campaign this year. Do you think you're going to um, blast through, how much capital do you think you're going to blast through in terms of this drill campaign on this, this side of Christmas? It's too early to say um, because we haven't designed a drill program. 
So it's, you know, I get that question all the time. How many meters? Uh, we're going to put a substantial amount of money into the ground uh, in 2020, no question about it, but we're going to be smart about it. So, you know, whether that's 10,000 meters or 20,000 meters, to be honest with you, I just don't know. So I won't comment any further than that, other than we're going to put money on the ground because where else is it going to go? I think we have a, a salaries. fantastic salaries, <laughs> GNA. Fair enough. Well, look at five grand a month. Like Hotels. I was going to say, that's going to take me uh, 60 years to draw that down. But and we, we run a tight we run a very tight ship here. And you know I talked about Charles. Well, Charles is on on the payroll for for uh, Warfinders as well. We split our costs. We've got a whole host of companies here. We split. You know we've got five or six companies that we operate here. Okay, and we've got people that are responsible for various items within that. We pay you know one sixth the rent of a typical junior, one sixth, you know, so on and so forth. We, nobody is dipping at the pot six times. People are paid fixed amounts. And if they bill their time to or finders this month, that's where that, you know, that's where that fee comes from by and large. So uh, that's the platform. It works well. It's got its disadvantages. Like I, you know, we don't like doing two sets of, you know, quarterlies and annuals, but you know, we manage because we think that the, the scale is, it, it makes sense. Now, Warfinders and Mistango, when we when we made our foray into Mistango last year, the intent was always to bring it into Warfinders. I think that would make sense to have those two companies come together at a point in time. Uh, but we're not rushing to do that. That is not, you know, mission number one. Uh, there would be efficiencies, but they don't outweigh the burden it would take in order to do that. So we're sort of sitting back and waiting for our wave. Maybe there's an opportunity, uh, call it a third party opportunity that comes to the table and say, hey, look, let's all get married, you know, three way, you know, marriage sort of thing. Who knows? So that option is always on the table. And uh, but uh, but we're quite happy with how the group is, is formatted and, and the team that we have and the cost structures that we, you know, as they're there as a result. OK. I mean, it does beg the question, why didn't Mustango just go straight into Orfinders in the first place? Did you not think that you'd be able to raise money because Orfinders had kind of lost its sheen? It had to do so if you, if you go, I guess, to answer that question has to be done in the context of time. You know, when, when we engaged Mustango, you know, two years ago to try and do a friendly deal, that was the, hey, Orfinders will take you out. They said no. Okay, it wasn't even an option. And so then we looked at their shareholder registry. We saw that Osisco Gold Royalties owned 31%, picked up the phone, called Sean, said, who would you rather be a shareholder in? He had been frustrated with them, just like you know any, their other shareholders were. And he said, you know, let's do the deal. And so then at what point, so then we were successful. It was, you know, at that point in time, we knew we had to take over the board. And so then once we took over the board, then you run into conflict of interest issues, arm's length transactions. It gets very, very complex. And so that's why we're not in a rush to uh, hit those head on because there'll be valuations. I'll have to get investment bankers in to give uh, you know valuation opinions. You know, we're not dying to, to go through that process because I'd rather spend my time and attention on uh, putting money into the ground. As I said, if an opportunity, particularly a third party opportunity came in and said, let's do this all together and it made sense, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. Well, look, thanks for the first run through. Nice new story. Um, people should look at it. Um, you've got to come back to the market and let us know how you how you get on. Pick up the well, phone. Let's, uh, let you know. You know, well, let's schedule something. Uh, when our drill results come out, you know, we'll, we'll come up and you'll grill me and I'll look forward to it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? 
or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.